Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here, and this is the Doug and Dave Intel Report, as you can see with my broadcast partner, Doug Thornton, and we're coming to you on the Common Sense Show and we're really glad to be with you. Also, our special guest is Tim Alberino, and we had promote, promoted this show as something where we would have a, a point-counterpoint, a live debate about the efficacy of the Air Force statement from an alleged intel officer who is a combat veteran, da da da, decorated. We found inconsistencies in the resume that don't fit, but uh, and Doug and I were willing to say that story is total nonsense. And now something has been released this evening. And on Channel 8 News, where George Knapp uh, broadcasts from, and uh, Tim Alberino is with us, and uh, we're going to play the tape, and we're going to let Tim narrate, and Doug and I will sit here and take a healthy helping of Crow. Tim? Well, it was uh, brought to my attention just about an hour ago that uh, the uh, Channel 8, as you said, in Las Vegas just released a story uh, regarding an event that apparently took place on the night, early morning of uh, the night of April 31st, early morning of May 1st. And uh, it was this object that fell out of the sky, apparently, or or came down and landed in these people's backyard. And uh, you can actually see the object on camera. Uh, you see it's, it's a, some sort of a, it's a green light and it comes down and then the police, uh, uh, go and investigate uh, because there's a 911 call as you'll see in the video and they called 911 this family and they reported a craft landed in their backyard and not only that but eight to ten foot tall entities came out of the craft they had big black shining eyes which was interesting because I, I think they said they had black eyes but they had large eyes and and uh, other features which i find very intriguing so that's pretty much it in a nutshell and that story just broke yeah, it did. And fortunately, we were able to preview it before we came on the air. So Doug and I didn't die of a heart attack. Um, <laughs> and look, I'm not making fun of this, but uh, Doug and I were so adamant that this story was fake. Uh, by the way, Glenn Beck came out with something on this today. Not not the recording we're going to see here in a minute, but he came out uh, and said, is this real UFO stuff or is this a distraction? Well, um, I mean, to, to, be, to be completely honest... When we when we first covered the the Air Force guy coming out talking about the intact and uh, crashed, um, what was it, Tim? That he said non-human origin craft. You know, we yeah, non-human origin technical vehicles. 
Yeah, we we did our, me and Dave did our best to, to juggle this back and forth and said, hey, look, you know, the government's lied to us for so many, so many years, decades, and we know there's an agenda. There's always an agenda, and this is obviously part of an agenda because this guy, to me, it just seems too perfect. And, you know, me and Tim talked later that night for probably about 45 minutes, and we had a little debate back and forth about this. And I said, hey, look, let's get on the Intel report. Let's do it live. Let's debate this. You're the expert. We're going to be the skeptics, and uh, let's challenge each other. And it was going to be a, a fun, sparse debate. And then, what, Tim, five minutes before we come on, you tell me, I got to look up Las Vegas Alien on YouTube. I type it in, and I can't believe what I just watched. Now, someone who's former law enforcement, I reviewed body cam footage. I reviewed a bunch of footage. And what I'm seeing is things that I can't explain. And you obviously see a light in the sky. And what the operators are there having to deal with. Um, now, for so everybody understands the context, this happened April 30th, May 1st time frame. April 30th, that's, yeah, the, the night of April 30th, the morning of May 1st. Five weeks yeah, ago. So, yeah. so the reason why it was released so, so much later is most likely because this is FOIA'd body cam footage, and that goes through an approval process, and that's why it came out a month later. So mm-hmm. um, without further ado, gents, we can, we can play this. Now, as we play this, if we want to stop and comment, just let me know. I'll pause it, and we'll comment about what we're seeing. Okay. It is the police call everybody will be talking about. Thanks for joining us here at 6 o'clock. I'm Denise Valdez. I'm Brian Loftus. A family says something crashed into their backyard, prompting them to call 911, saying they saw creatures walking around. Our 8 News Now investigators digging into this for weeks now. And tonight, our David Charns with the video you will only see on 8 News Now. David? Brian, Denise, sources telling the 8 News Now investigators that several agencies believe something landed or crashed, whether it was not humans or not it certainly scared the people living on this property now before we show you that video listen to their call for help there's like an eight foot person beside it and another one's inside and it has big eyes and looking at us and it's still there okay where is this on your property uh in my backyard I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we so terrified of it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard. Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot, nine feet, ten foot. I don't know. They're, they look like they look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Okay. Like like I can't explain it. And big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and and they're not human. They're 100 percent not human. Tim, you had made a reference a while ago, pre-air, that uh, they had shiny eyes. Now, what this reminds me of is eye shine that you see from animals. If they have large eyes, and it didn't say they were all black eyes, uh, but it doesn't not say that. But the fact that it says large, shiny eyes, to me, is probably most likely eye shine reflection from maybe the floodlights are in the back. Um, they didn't say they were glowing. And they did say that they were not human and eight to ten foot tall. So right there, can can you comment on that? Not really. I mean, uh I have no idea what exactly these people might have seen. Um 
Maybe they're seeing what are called the tall grays, which have the big almond-shaped eyes. Maybe they're seeing nothing. I think we should say that right out of the gates. Maybe it could be a hoax. Uh, People saw something come down from the sky. That's for sure. Um, But did it actually land in these people's backyards? I don't know. Um, But you have to keep in mind that it's, it's dark. Number one, it's dark. It's nighttime. And the craft is lit. So whatever they're seeing, they're seeing in silhouette, basically, because these things are presumably standing next to or in front of the craft. So if you have an object in front of a, if it's dark outside and you have an object or a person standing in front of an object that is very bright, you're not going to see a whole lot of detail unless that person is also illuminated somehow from the front. So maybe the porch lights or something like that. But I would imagine that whatever they saw, they probably didn't see it really clearly because of those circumstances. But the shining eyes, if they have really big eyes, it wouldn't surprise me, as you said, if light is reflecting from those eyes, uh, or maybe they are shining. All right, let's continue. Okay. Well, the 8 News Now investigators obtaining video as officers then responded to the call you just heard. You'll see the officers also saw something in the sky that night. But the big question is, what was it and is it all connected? It's almost midnight on May 1st when a Las Vegas Metro Police officer's body cam catches this, something flashing low in the sky. 911 emergency. Minutes later. There's a there's like an eight-foot person beside it. And another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Someone calls 911, reporting two large figures in their backyard. Uh, I'm so nervous right now. The 8 News Now investigators obtaining another officer's video as he's sent to the Northwest Valley home. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw a shooting star, then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. By now, it's more than an hour after that bright light, officers meeting up with the caller and his family. What'd you see? It was like a... Like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long Okay, pause it for a second, Doug. Yes, you guys. Okay, if, the, if they're at the scene of the incident, then where's the craft? Where's the impressions on the ground? Why aren't we seeing that with. Uh, well, that's the front Bird. yard. They, pre- they proceed to go into the backyard, but they shut the camera off because of private property. Okay, and that's what I was going to bring up also, too. Forget the private yeah. property crap. I think that's nonsense. Um, I, I think there's something there they don't want us to see. Well, it could very well be, but if that's department policy, then they won't void that. Um, you know, one other thing, when you saw the bright object falling, it wasn't like a meteor, though it glowed much like what you would see meteors as they fall. I've seen meteors fall that color. It was slow. It kind of serpentined in the air like a craft that was losing control. It was veering from uh, right to then left. And then it proceeded to go downward as well. I thought that was very interesting. Let's also point out that this could be a flare or something like that. And these people totally made this whole thing up. Yeah. Uh, Now, this is it is important to understand the context. This is not after the revelations that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. This is before. So this is before the whistleblower incident. And this is, you know, the the first of of May, basically, first hours of, of May 1st. So. Um, obviously something fell out of the sky. What it was exactly, I don't think we could make that determination from a green light. Right. All right. We'll continue. 
One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything land in your backyard? Or they see like a big. That's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. Look what he does with his hands here. You see that? Police walking. Did you see that? You see how that he goes like this with his hands? A big. So he's making the shape of a saucer. Not. You know, not like some big rock or something. He's he's depicting what I would have expected. If this is like an alien craft, it's probably going to be a, a, a saucer-shaped craft. And that's exactly the motion he's doing with his hands. Yeah, I, I don't get the like sense when I watch What I saw right now, I do I was just going to say, I, I don't detect insincerity here either. That's true. They're very uh, nonchalant about this extraordinary incident. No. I think they're concerned. That's my my then based on the phone call too. But um I I don't see any attempts to embellish. Um just pretty straightforward account and something that they just don't see every day and they're a little freaked out oh, by it. Sorry guys. Well, you know, they, they said creature. You know, everybody knows what a great alien looks like, I would think, at this point in time. And I have a problem when people can't use descriptive words, but these are teenagers. Yeah, reporting what they saw. They get the height based off of whatever is around them in the backyard, so they're using that as reference. Um, but, you know, other, other than that, Tim, Dave, we really can't uh, gain very much more information until more comes out. That's so. true. Well, well, like I said, they're very nonchalant about it because perhaps they're in a state of shock. I mean, you would expect somebody to be have a little bit of shock. People who see UFOs close up and personal, sometimes there's a little bit of shock. afterwards it's not like they're running around screaming oh my god did you see that did you see that sometimes that's the case but if you really have an up close like i did uh, i had that up close encounter that i've talked about many times in brook park ohio i could have hit it with a rock we weren't running around screaming and yelling we we literally couldn't say anything we our jaws are dropped we could not we we could hardly formulate words after right after that incident we just remained quiet for a long time me and my brother-in-law so I wouldn't expect, you know, if this was a hoax, you might expect them to be running around shouting, did you see that, did you see that, and, you know, just really animated. But the fact that they're so, as I said, nonchalant is very interesting to me. Well, and this is a nice area. You know, this isn't Bubba's Trailer Park. This isn't Ted Kaczynski out in the middle of, you know, Lincoln, Montana. Uh, you know, this is a nice residential area, nice cars. You know, the, the family seems to be well put together. Uh, just from first uh, first appearances, so I, you know, I'll, I'll. You have to take the word of what you're what you're seeing when you first come on scene, because you're getting firsthand knowledge from witness testimony. Um, from there, you know, I mean, uh, like what you said though, I, I would love to have known because I, I for, if it was me and I was investigating this and I'm the first guy on scene, you're going to take me right to where the place right where this thing crashed. I'm going to be taking pictures. I'm going to be doing everything I possibly can. But let me ask you this, Tim. It obviously didn't crash because it, it left. So you think it might have, it, let's go ahead and assume it was some sort of a craft that it lost control somehow. It made a soft landing. Dude gets out, you know, kicks it a few times and it restarts back up and they zip off. Or what are you thinking? Or they want, or some sort of an intentional. Let's let's assume for a moment that it's real, um, that that these people actually saw what they say they saw. Um, it could have been an intentional situation where they're they want to be seen. Um, 
or or it could be like you said there's some some sort of a malfunction they had to land briefly to reset something who knows and then take off but uh it is extraordinary i it's you don't you don't often find news reports like this i mean <laughs> they're very far and few between stuff like this where yeah, you actually right. see something coming down in the sky and then you got a 911 call and police investigating that's all we at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. We already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time very interesting and right in george knapp's backyard too yeah i was just going to add that here it's george knapp station so to speak and uh that's why i think they're covering it because they cover stuff like this um all right you want to press forward yeah i'll say this the description i think is truthful from what they think they've seen. I agree. All right. A police walk into the backyard to investigate, but Metro blacked out that part of the video because it's considered private property. What's clear? They're taking this call seriously. Hey, this might sound like a really dumb question, but did you guys see anything fall out of the sky? Asking others what they saw. Uh, I would normally discount it as nothing. However, um... Seeing as one of my partners said they saw it too. 
only reason I'm actually investigating it further. That investigation turning up no concrete answers as of Wednesday. Whatever or whoever fell into that yard, long gone within minutes. Oh, hey. If those, if those nine foot beings come back, don't call us, all right? Deal with it yourself. That, I ain't dealing with that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is quite weird, Brian was saying during as we're watching this story. Now, we've been in, been in contact with the family in that video, and as you heard in that 911 call, they seem very reasonable mm -hmm. and honestly quite scared, as you heard them in the call. No, um, it, they don't seem impaired in any way. And whatever crashed by the time the police got there was gone, but sources say that there's really no dispute. Something was in their yard exactly what? We do not know. I mean, it's so interesting. So, like, the metro officers see something, the neighbors see something. I mean, so what could it be? Well, we know that there are obviously a lot of military bases around this area. Uh, George Knapp covers a lot of that stuff for us on the 80s Now Investigators. We're showing you drone video from above that area. And we know, of course, Creech not far away, Nellis Air Force Base not far. I checked in with them. They say they are not involved at all, and we are waiting to hear from the Pentagon as well. Hmm. And you talk to these people. It seemed completely legitimate to you. And, and do you have any personal thoughts on maybe what it was? Right. So it seems from talking to our sources that something happened. There was obviously some flash in the sky. A lot of people saw it that night on uh, the night of April 30th, early in the morning on May 1st. Did that exact thing land in their yard? I don't know. But these people said they saw some SUV circling the area. Could this, have, could this have been some piece of equipment that malfunctioned? Maybe they saw something and then someone came. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> right. Someone came and Picked retrieved it, it from the backyard <laughs> right. in the SUV. We don't know. This all comes yeah, as I, I a have former high-level intelligence guys. officer. An air uh, you know, this latest variable they put into this uh, van circling around and so forth, I wonder if it's uh, not controlled by uh, it's a large drone and uh, we're looking at some form of AI. Well, I, here's here's the thing. When, when you have some sort of a, a testimony uh, or any type of sporadic statement like, oh, we also saw, you know, an SUV driving around the area. How many different, you know, plausibilities could there be for that? I mean... I, I'm all, I'm always observing the skies in my area, and I'm up all night long. As you guys know that I typically go to bed at like three or four in the morning. So you know, and I'm I'm in and out all the time. So if I saw something falling from the sky, I will probably go and get in my excursion and go drive around until I can find it. So, or or you could go the dark route and say, you know, it's uh, OGA, other government agency, men in black driving around trying to shush people up and scoot the aliens back into their, their craft. Or it could be um, drone related. But, you know, once again, Dave, to my knowledge, which I'll, I'll say is limited in scope to aviation, but from to my knowledge, we don't have any type of drones. We don't have any type of Harrier jets that could make a, a landing in someone's backyard or helicopters that could make a landing in someone's backyard. Um, that quietly. You, yeah. Quietly that you are not going to see. And um, especially if it's a helicopter because you're going to have rotor rush. And we don't run blue lights, these bluish green lights. We're not, we don't do that. I mean, at night you're going to have a red and green light because that's what FAA says you have to have. Um, but other than that, I mean, we're not, we're not, we don't, 
broadcast everybody in the world what we have. If it's a jet landing, you're going to hear that because of the, the turbo. So I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think it was a drone. Um, I'll say this. Between a stealth helicopter, a Harrier jet, and a drone, the drone is the more plausible. But having a drone so big and... Once again, with that type of coloration, that's strange. If the drone was on fire and had some sort of a malfunction, it probably wouldn't be burning a bluish green. It probably would look like it was on fire and you would have a smoke trail. You know, so it just, I have more questions than I do answers. Uh, Tim? I don't, I don't know that there's anything more to say about it. We have no idea what, yeah, uh, exactly. what, what this might have been. It, again, it is intriguing. Something we saw something come out of the sky, fall out of the sky, but it, that could be anything. But with the other details, it, I think this is very intriguing, and I tend to believe that these guys, as Dave said, these guys are telling the truth as they experienced it, as they perceived it. Um, and again, if it was a hoax, which it could be, if it was a hoax, I would expect them to be much more hysterical. Um, but they, as I said, they were a, a little bit apathetic, cal- very calm, which, which to me conforms to a state of shock. And I well, certainly would be in a state of shock if I saw what they saw. The kid uh, on the phone, no, I, I took his, uh, statements in the light of, I, I can't believe I'm saying this to you, but it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, then, then he offered a qualifier Well, you know, we're not this or that or the other. Well, and the officer goes to say this, say something similar when he stops a random pedestrian and says, Hey, look, I can't believe I'm saying this. Yeah, My exactly. partner also saw something falling out of the sky. And in a cop's judgment, you know, this is just, this is going to be kind of uh, skewed when I say this, but for a cop to just come right out and say, Oh, by the way, I saw aliens and Bigfoot. All right. I had a guy in, in my department <laughs> when I worked in Pennsylvania and he was that guy. He was the alien guy. We're like, he seemed like three or four aliens and saw him land in the middle of a, a, a highway and you know he you get made fun of you get put on all the bad shifts because because it it is like you know or at this point in time we can't trust you to really tell the truth and you're going to exaggerate and in our line of work that's not good ask the fbi because they do it all the time so you know, I mean, it's your, it's a career risk to just come right out and say, Oh, by the way, I saw a light in the sky. It's aliens. Yeah, everyone's going to make fun of you at the watering hole. So for, for two cops to be mingling back and forth and saying, like, hey, did you really see something fall out of the sky? Here's my body cam footage to prove it. Okay. Now we've got to start asking people questions. Um, so I, yeah. I give a little validation to that. You know, I had the experience. I'm, uh, out in my semi-lighted driveway in central Phoenix at the time, uh, shooting baskets. And, uh, I saw the Phoenix lights. They flew down I-17 and that was about four miles from where we lived at the time. And, um, I didn't know what to make of it. I just know everything got quiet lights or stars that I could see disappeared. Then they reappeared. And I was able to track because of the disappearance of lights where this craft was going. Now later I was teaching, um, um, a sociology class at an Air Force base, and one of the radar operators at this base tracked it, and he and I talked privately about it. And he said, yeah, you saw it. Uh, but i got to tell you my response. That's why I bring, brought this up. 
I thought, how the hell do I go in and tell my wife what I just saw? She's going to think she married a lunatic. That was my first response. And I went and told her, and uh, I waited about an hour. I took a shower, came down, said, you're not going to believe what I saw. She goes, I think I know. It's on the news. Hmm. All right, so let's let's move on to the Air Force, um, the intel agent. Uh, Tim, he, he came out and he said that um, there were non-human entities, several different species, that there were multiple different craft intact, uh, some that were very old, some that have been found uh, by other nations. And I just I want to go through this article because it was on debrief. The ones who talked about it. That's and, the story broke, right? It was not debriefed by Leslie Keen. Right. And so you, I, you I just, do realize, by the way, uh, Doug, just to insert this piece of data here, you do realize that Leslie Keen, the, Keen, the woman who broke this story, um, she's she's the one who broke the story back in 2017 in the New York Times regarding the Pentagon secret UFO program, which basically kicked off all of this all of this cascading disclosure events in the news that we've been witnessing for three, four years. No, so I didn't. That's, I didn't that's, know that. It's important. I think that's an important piece of information. So you, so you think there's credibility with her then? I think this woman is very credible. Uh, I think she's a great journalist. I don't know. She's obviously being fed information. People are coming to her. Um, but this individual, David Grush, he worked, he was uh, on the Aero team. He worked on the the UAP task force, the government's task force, um, but he was also an officer in the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. So this guy has deep intelligence ties. He was high up in these organizations. He's not a, pe- a pencil, just a pencil pusher. He's high up in these organizations. And uh, he comes out, he blows the whistle, and the, 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 the first contention by a lot of people is well how can you do this how can this guy be still alive basically which i think is a legitimate question but we have to realize that we we are living in in a new reality we are living in a reality in which ufo's and 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 talk of extraterrestrial life interdimensional life is becoming common fare in the mainstream media this is a new world People aren't giggling anymore about this topic. Journalists are taking it serious. Um, The most prestigious newspapers and news organizations in the world are now taking this serious. We have Congress investigating. Um, It's out in the open. The Pentagon has admitted, as we've said ad nauseum on your program in the past, that that UFOs are real. So we know that that the controversy is over. UFOs are real. And we've had uh, declarations by... um, by uh, uh, his name just escaped me, the the physicist uh, who said that uh, he's handled materials from these crafts that are... I'm sorry? Yeah, Bob Lazar. No, not Bob Lazar. Um, his name will come to me in a moment. Um, he's handled materials that are... are uh, were the, for materials from vehicles that were not made uh, on Earth, basically paraphrasing what he said um 
And so th- this is obviously this 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 guy he blows the whistle in this environment. So this environment never existed before. It never existed before. If you if you reverse the clock and go 10, 15, 20 years into the past, he'd be dead. I have no question. He would have never gotten to the whistleblower um, position. He would have died. They would have killed him. Um, and I'm very confident about that if you go back 20 years, especially, and, and beyond. Um, but because of this new environment, it's we're, it's a totally different scene at this point. And so I think we should probably be expecting whistleblowers at this point in time. There is now cover. Cover exists. Congress is not is not waving this away um, as they would have decades ago or even just a handful of years ago. When this guy, he brought his documents, which he can't obviously show them because he'd, be, he'd go to jail. They're classified. But he brought them to Congress. He 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 delivered the proof in in in, in terms of the documentation that he was given. He, he brought it to Congress. And what's really important to understand is this guy did work for Arrow. He worked for the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Um, and the reason why he became privy to this information, because in the, in the course of his investigation, he was hitting this wall because he, there, he couldn't, when he was trying to find out about crash retrievals, he was hearing rumors about it. He hit a wall. He, he said they were not allowed to be read in to the program. So it was made clear to him that the program existed and he wasn't, they weren't going to be read into it. And so you have to take his position. Let's assume he's honest. All right. I don't know anything about him other than what's been published, but let's assume he's honest and he really is trying to investigate UFOs. Maybe he's excited about it. Maybe he's really, really, um, serious about his job with, with the, with Arrow and, and he wants to take this track and investigate the possibility of crash retrievals. And he's getting stonewalled and maybe threatened, probably threatened. In fact, uh, he did say um, uh, there was a report somewhere in the reporting that he was he came forward because he was getting threatened by. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Private contractors, exactly who you would expect him to get threatened by, by the way. Private contractors, because they're the ones who have the purview. Of the, if you go down to, you know, probably not anymore, but but back before George uh and that blew the whistle on this with Bob Lazar. If you went to Area 51, you would encounter, if you tried to walk onto the base, who would you encounter? You would encounter guys in fatigues or in black uniforms. Who would they be? Would they be U.S. military? No, they would be private contractors. So, and there, and, and in all the reporting about these guys, all of the leaks that have come out and people's encounters with these guys on these bases, they're very, very aggressive, very aggressive. And so it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me, it wouldn't shock me. If his story is true, that he was being threatened by private contractors, he's being certainly stonewalled when trying to investigate the uh, crash retrievals. Because as I've said on your show before, uh, the Arrow and the other UAP investigative bodies that have been formulated over the last handful of years, 
it's all a dog and pony show. So, so is the Congress's investigation into UFOs. It, it, you, they're only going to be allowed to know certain things that fit into this new narrative about UAPs, but they're never going to get the crash retrieval information. They're never going to get to the abductions. They're never going to get to the to the the uh, the reverse engineering and all of that. They're not going to be given access to those programs or knowledge about them. And so, again, assuming that this guy is being honest, assuming that he's telling the truth, and he may not be, assuming he is, um, this is exactly what I would expect, how I would expect this to play out. He's getting stonewalled, and then he has friends in the intelligence community who come to him privately and tell him this is all true. They can't talk about it. He's not allowed to be read into the program and so forth. And again, you combine this with with legitimate threats from these uh, private security operations and it explains why he would come forth. He feared for his life. This is a new environment. It's an environment that's friendly now to and open to this discussion, which was not the case a few years ago. Now it is. And so there's a new environment for whistleblowers. He can go straight to Congress. He can go straight to the uh, whatever the body in Congress. I forgot the name that's investigating UFOs with Gildebrandt. He can go straight to those people. He can put the documents on their desk and say, here they are. Protect me. That did not exist before. It does exist now. And he can go right to the media. The media before would have would have buried this story. Now they're they're not burying it anymore. So the 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 conditions are such now that allow for a whistleblower. This was not the case. And 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 um and and I think it's also important to note that just I believe last week, about a week ago. Uh, NASA had their first hearing on the topic of UAPs, of U- of UFOs. NASA announced some time ago that they were putting t- together a task force to investigate UAPs. They, they had their first hearing the other day. And what did NASA say? This is what they said right out of the gates. Dan Evans, who's the, the study director at the hearing, here's, here's what he said. Quote, I want to emphasize this loud and proud, loud and proud, that there is absolutely no convincing evidence for extraterrestrial life associated with UAPs. So there's your official narrative. That is the government narrative right there. The, the, the whistleblower's narrative is the opposite, the, is antithetical to that narrative. So you have dueling narratives. You have the official narrative, and NASA is definitely the official narrative here. This is the this is the organization that most Americans would assume is gonna is gonna blow the lid on the existence of aliens. Is gonna is gonna is gonna reveal the truth that we're not alone in the universe. They come out just a week prior to the whistleblower, a week prior, and we know that the whistleblower had already been in conversation that uh, that Grush had already been in conversation with George Knapp. Um, weeks prior to to doing this interview so they probably knew he was coming they preempt him with this nasa hearing and they put out their emphasized statement loud and proud he said there's no evidence convincing evidence for extraterrestrial life so this that's what preempted the whistleblower and then and then the pentagon comes as soon as the whistleblower story broke the pentagon comes out and they say to date and this is their official response to date 
Arrow has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. So there's your official narrative. Combine that with NASA. That is the government narrative. That's the narrative that the Pentagon wants to push, not the one that this whistleblower came out with, not the one that David Grush came out with. That is the narrative that I think they want to bury. So you have dueling narratives. You have to deal with the dueling narratives unless there's some really, really, really sophisticated psyop happening where they want those dueling narratives for some reason. Dave? Yeah, there, I could go in a million different directions here. Um, I think, Tim, what you're saying is logical. The problem with this story bothers me with the inconsistencies of the resume and what we know to be true based on his position. Doug, you want to handle that? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna question the guys. Um, I'm not gonna question his military background. But you just know, to, say what you said last night, though, about the how his intel description doesn't match his job description. Well, no, he he was intel in the Air Force, and you know that they they did a, a fluff piece on him to make him sound, <clears throat> make his integrity look good. And maybe Tim, after talking to you about it, I've I've had to eat crow a little bit and change uh, my narrative and, and think about this. Maybe they, you know, pulled out the stops and said, "Hey, we need to we need to find buddies of yours that are in the intel sources, and that way they then can say you are also you know good to go. You have high integrity, which they did say. You had two other references in the debrief article that said that. Yeah, but would you do that? Would you give that kind of testimony if you were working for the intel? And, and this is what I told Tim in in my prior understanding of how that world works. Um, if you disclose state secrets, and I mean, like, we're not talking about look. So right now, the FBI won't give Congress access to um, you know the the whistleblower in Ukraine because they say the Biden family might have him killed. Nobody seems to really care about the fact that a sitting president may assassinate a dude, apparently, but. Um, you know, they're, they're more than willing to go that route, but with, and you know, who cares, right? And in, in all reality, we all know Biden is, is a criminal, but this, as, as Tim will, will go on to tell us is world changing. This is a world changing news. This is the biggest thing that has hit, you know, modern day, uh, news telling ever the, the, yeah. the, not just, not just the disclosure of UFOs, but the disclosure and, you know, honestly, not a good rebuttal that there are aliens. I want to ask Tim a question on this, too. Tim, um, one of the things I heard that one of the witnesses say was uh, they looked at us. Uh, It's interesting there was no interaction beyond that, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, if, if... If what they're relating actually happened, it, it sort of smacks of an incident that was intentional. They wanted to be seen. Um, if there's no communication, uh, that's interesting. I mean, I would have expected if there is communication, it probably would have been telepathic, number one. But um, again, if it, if it really happened the way they said, it, it seems intentional to me. I doubt that, you know, 
and by the way, one, so, something also that I was thinking about when, when we were talking is how come this thing lands, 911 gets called, how come nobody saw it take off? That was a question I had too, yeah. Now, there is, this is something that people need to understand in regard to UFOs. Um, and I would be more specific and I would say the non human craft. And I absolutely believe, as everyone knows, I absolutely believe the testimony of Bob Lazar. And Bob Lazar said something very interesting. He saw the craft in operation, he, the, the the sports model uh, saucer that he was working on at the S4 facility. When he saw the craft in operation, um, he, he, he describes that when the craft is fully energized or energized to a certain degree, it is, it is, for all intents and purposes, invisible. You can't see it from certain vantage points. And the reason why is because it's bending gravity. It's, creating, it's generating gravity waves, um, and it's distorting light. And so it's bending light, So, which gravity does. Um, so you can't see the craft when it's energized. So maybe, it, of course, this is just spitballing. Maybe the craft, let's say that it was this incident in Vegas – that this craft was this, they were in trouble, some sort of a technological malfunction, and they were not entered. The craft was not fully energized, and so you saw it land. But when it took off, it was fully energized, and so it would have been practically imperceivable, uh, according to Lazar's testimony. And and again, I believe, especially now, <laughs> I believed it before, but now I think it's ironclad. I believed Lazar's testimony, and I and I do believe that that explains why so many of these craft people see them and they say it was in the sky and it was blinking lights, it was moving around, and then it disappeared. And a lot I, of people, I, I believe Lazar too, Tim, uh, totally, because a couple of things about Lazar. One, this didn't help his life. No, uh, he, he stood to gain nothing from this. And then, secondly, he was working in a classified uh, facility. And the government tried to say he never worked there, and yet they found his name on a phone log. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And I want to make a connection. If it can bend light, let's let's take a trip back memory lane, Skinwalker Ranch, okay? And let's let's talk about the eight to ten foot tall creatures. He didn't say tall, thin, gray aliens. He didn't say insectolin. He said creatures. So obviously, immediately he's describing this kid's describing something that is not human he cannot describe yeah so recall um the the ranch owner the original ranch owner and his son were dealing with this hippie dude who's like six four who comes out there and says i just want to meditate out in the field and originally the the father says no get out of here i don't want you to do that and the son says i'll come on let's let him do it what was the worst that could happen? And he's out there and he's humming to himself and meditating. And all of a sudden, come crashing out of the cottonwood trees is a entity that they said bended light, like the predator alien like the predator, creature. Yeah. And it runs up and screams and roars in a way that is unlike any animal they've ever heard. So if the craft can bend the light and the creatures near the craft were 8 to 10 foot, and in Skinwalker Ranch, there's a creature, 8 to 10 foot, that can also bend light. And the most common orb that's seen that was documented, because I've, I have, I've exhausted almost all resources on trying to research Skinwalker Ranch. The most common orb that was seen out there is that same color, that blue to green color. 
So uh, we're, we're seeing a little bit of similarities. Right. Here. We should also note that people, and you probably can attest to this, I think people, when they have an experience, uh, even if, you know, even if they witness uh, armed robbery in a store, I think it's often the case that, that they're not very accurate on how large somebody is. Exactly. So, sometimes somebody seems looming and dangerous, and so they exaggerate the height. Um, it, it, it could have been that these things were six to seven feet tall, seven to eight feet tall. I mean, I, I don't think. I'll, and again, they're probably seeing it in silhouette because the craft is very bright behind them. It, they're probably seeing it in silhouette somewhat. And, uh, y- you know, insectolins are rather tall. They're six to seven, seven and a half feet tall, as described by abductees. So, um now, the one thing that threw me for a loop was the large mouth description. But right. in order to see, but if you're standing like on your porch, and you look in your backyard and you're seeing this, this, you're, you're, you're having this experience, you're seeing this craft and these entities, details like a mouth and, you know, those kind of details, I don't put a whole lot of stock in, in those kind of details so, unless you're, unless a person is up close and, and, and up close and in a well lit environment. I mean, if you're, again, this is the dead of night. Well, let me, let me comment. Let me comment behind. on that. Let me comment on that. So when, when you analyze a witness testimony, you have auditory and visual exclusion. So you get tunnel vision and you only hear the incident that's going on around you. Um, I, I've, I have gone over hundreds and hundreds of use of force reports from officers, um, from everything in between, from just a regular detention to someone pulling their guns on people. And everyone has different stories, but you get that tunnel vision and you only focus on what you focus on. And there are times where you pick up the most unique things, unique features, because the adrenaline spikes, the, the blood pressure is probably in the 150s and up, and that can also uh, deteriorate vision. Um, not, not only with that, but like I said, you, you focus on weird things from my experience and, you know, he didn't, they didn't report any type of strange humming sound. Um, they didn't report any sound at all from what I, what I'm gathering so far from the craft um, or details it, about the craft or details about the craft. So they're in a state of shock. Well, and, and here's the thing when, when you, if you're going to be honest with an investigation like this, you have your preliminary investigation. Okay. This is what you saw. All right. And so in about two weeks, I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask a little bit more because in about two weeks, your mind's going to unpack a little bit. You're going to think more about this. And I'm going to tell you to start writing down everything that you remember and let's build a profile. And then in about two or three more weeks, I'll come back and say, okay, let's build another profile. Let's write down a little bit more. Is this still what's going on? Because in murder trials and, and, um, other types of violent crimes, especially when officers are involved and they have to pull their gun or if they have to kill somebody, um, we're allowed sometimes months to go by to update a uh, a case report because your memory starts to come back. And you could probably speak about memory recall more, Dave, than I can. But as as you start to recall more of your memory, you know you 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 start to see more of these uh, descriptions that right there on the very very first part is not there. Like I'll, I'll give it I'll give it to you like this. There have been plenty of different times where we've done investigations on terrorism and you'll have, you know, four or five people will call in for an active shooter. And let's say the, the active shooter that was at the Christmas party that was in California, it was two people. It was a man and a woman. 
out of the phone calls that happened, the first one was a guy that was built like Brian Urlacher. The second phone call was three guys built like Brian Urlacher in black fatigues with military gear. Then the second one was just a man. And then the third one or the fourth one was just a woman. And then the fifth phone call was a man and a woman. So the first four or five phone calls that 911 got were all completely inaccurate. Finally, after like the sixth call, we got the accurate report. So like you said, Tim, you, these things will change in time as, as memory recall. Well, there's also out. a lot of confabulation, too. Like if you're scared out of your wits, you're looking at something that's got glowing eyes, you could easily confabulate a big mouth with pointy teeth and, you know what I mean, like uh, uh, something out of a nightmare. Monsters. People confabulate all the time, yeah. especially when recalling uh, events. Typically with memory, though, this is kind of a flashbulb memory that they'll never forget. But in flashbulb memories, what we know is details tend to be obscured. And the one thing that was a little inconsistent with that principle was the mouth comment, Tim, that you made. Hey, we got but, your audio there's deteriorating. Very, there's variability in that, though. Um Interesting. Okay, I'll give it back to All you. Right. We're, we're good. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, that's weird. My microphone just flat cut out and came back on by itself. Well, it's kind of par for the course. At least I'm not sending out text messages anymore to people I don't know. Um, the uh, The embellishment is not there with these people. I don't see that at all. But it is interesting that they would jump right to that one minute detail about the mouth. But I will say this. If the mouth was so out of place and the overall depiction of the being, uh, that would make sense they would be drawn to that because mm-hmm. the brain is attracted to things that are novel, things that are unique. So, again, I don't see anything here in their testimony, but I will tell you this. In my mind, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. Um, the fact that a van's driving around is irrelevant to the event, and the fact that they brought it up meant that the van itself was unique and there was something unusual about what was going on with the van. That's how I would take that. And if you got a van and then you got this lowering craft onto a yard, assumingly they took off, I just wonder if it wasn't a staged event. And and let me give you, um, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, but one day after the revelation by this Air Force Intel officer met with a lot of scorn and derision, now you have this come out on the heels. That makes me ask a question. Well, what right, I, the what, actual story, the story published the right. day after, but the event happening in, in uh, over a month before. But I'm saying the release of it seems right. to bolster the account from the day before. Because what did Doug and I say when we came on? Yeah, we're deciding on how much crow we're going to eat. Okay, I, and I, I, that could be a purpose of why they released this story now. And not before. Well, what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to play this four-minute footage of uh, of Grush speaking um, to the reporter. And uh, let's just analyze this for a second. That way we have some context in this. When you say crash retrieval, what do you mean? Uh, these are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft, if you will. Uh, it's probably not the right parlance, but uh, no kidding, non-human, exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. We have spacecraft from another species. We do, yeah. How many? Quite a number. 
And this is Dabu7. I'm going to play more video. Okay, I'll edit the rest of that out. So what I think is interesting is the, once again, words mean things. He didn't come right out and say we have flying saucers. We have cigar-shaped craft. He said various different types of craft. And this article, I think, is more telling than, than anything else. Let me pull it up for a second. Let me make a comment real quick while it's fresh in my mind. First of all, the physicist that I was trying to remember literally just came into my mind. His name, Eric Davies. Eric Davis. Um, uh, this physicist uh, briefed Congress on what he had analyzed. So this isn't just some guy coming out of left field. Um, and this story, of course, this came out a few years ago with the Tic Tac UFO story and the, and, and the other story that uh, journalist Leslie Keene broke uh, regarding the secret UFO program that the Pentagon had had running. Um, and what Davis said was that the materials that he looked at were exotic. They were they couldn't have been fabricated on the Earth. How, how would a physicist know that? It's very simple. They would find isotopes in the metal that are that are not derived on planet earth they would find they would find uh, the atomic structure of the metal or who knows the chemistry of the metal uh, could not have been formed on earth there are things that we know exist in outer space that do not exist on planet earth so when this guy says exotic he says non-human exotic origin vehicles. That word exotic is very important. And it's extremely important to the conversation of extraterrestrials. Because the big debate in the UFO community is, are these extraterrestrials or are these interdimensionals? It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter because however however you slice it, they're extraterrestrial. They're not from planet Earth. They're, if they're from a different dimension, then they're from an entirely different world. Um but this this notion that 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 they're looking at exotic materials this is again very important to a physicist and it's very important to the conversation because it informs us that at least some components of these vehicles are not derived on planet earth in other words they come from somewhere else either in the solar system or the galaxy or the universe at large they do not come from planet earth that word exotic doesn't just mean strange when you're talking about physics and you're talking about exotic materials such as element 115 that Bob Lazar talked about, uh, we have no stable, we, we do not have any stable element 115 on the earth. We have, uh, we have isotopes that are in, that are instable that, that, that only exist for very brief periods of time. Um, so keep in mind when we talk about exotic materials, we are talking about at the very least, extraterrestrial materials and uh and so again if a physicist looks and he finds certain isotopes and he finds certain kinds of metal and he does this analysis and the chemistry and so forth they can determine that these that these elements came from outer space or maybe came from a certain planet or a certain sector of the solar system or something like that and if that is the case and i believe it is then you are talking about an extraterrestrial reality because the, the the craft was fabricated somewhere where these materials are harvested, or at and least these materials said, are harvested somewhere other than planet Earth, and then the question is who harvested them. And you also said to me yesterday, though, that there's a there could be also an issue with how the nuts and bolts craft 
can't be remanufactured here on Earth because it may can only be manufactured in zero gravity. Will you elucidate on that a little bit? Well, there's some commentary from Bigelow uh, that would suggest that maybe some of these craft, maybe some of these, maybe the craft were engineered in a different environment. And uh, the different kind of gravity, different kind of atmospheric composition. And that's why, because there, there, it seems to be that the government is having a really hard time reverse engineering this stuff. And that should be expected. It's it's like giving a, a laptop to an ancient Greek person and, and having them try and reverse engineer it. Um, so it makes perfect sense. Um, and that's precisely why. Returning to our reference to Bob Lazar, that's exactly why they brought Bob Lazar in, on the, in, in, in the, into the S-4 program, because they, the, according to Lazar, the previous guys died, or the guy that he, he filled his position, that guy got blown up or something working on the craft, um, and they couldn't, they're, they're not making any headway, so they brought Lazar in to try, they're just, they're trying new guys to see if they can get some different perspectives, different points of view, to see if they can figure out some of this technology, and Lazar didn't get very far himself. It's so exotic. For, first of all, if this craft operates on, let's say that the the, um, let's say that the fuel for some of these craft, and it's probably variegated, okay. But let's say that one of the these specific kinds of, let's say saucers, let's be specific, uses exotic material, exotic matter, such as element one fifteen, which according to Lazar, element one fifteen, what made it special is that it produced antimatter. It, it, it produced antimatter, and so they were able to create a, a matter-antimatter reaction, a reactor in which antimatter and matter collided, which is one of the which one of the most powerful forces that we know of, matter-antimatter collisions. So, um, let's say that 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 that's true, and that element one fifteen is the key. It's the fuel, right? Well, we we don't have element one fifteen, so right there we're kind of screwed. Maybe we can reverse engineer some of the components. Maybe we can improvise known conventional components and create hybridized craft. But if you don't have a ready, a red, a, a readily available source of element 115, you're not going to be able to reproduce that reactor. And so it makes sense that these exotic materials, again, emphasizing exotic materials, we don't have much of it. Therefore, we cannot replicate exactly what these entities are building because they're not building them with the conventional materials we have on earth. That's a real problem for us. We can try and copy. We can try and figure out the physics. And again, we can try and improvise. But when you hear the term exotic as it pertains to technology, nuts and bolts technology, understand that that means usually that's going to mean elements that are not found on earth. Well, so hence this is what extra terrestrial this is what grush said grush said that recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles which i want i want to make sure that i come back and i ask you about intact vehicles um have been made for decades through the present day by the government its allies and defense contractors analysis Mm -hmm. has determined that the objects retrieved are of Exotic origin, as you've been saying, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle's morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. All that right there, 
Exactly. With it, that that one paragraph within itself is like five podcasts. So this is what I want to ask you. Okay, we've already broke down the exotic origin part. All right, non-human intelligence. Let's break this down line by line. Non-human intelligence. What was he talking about? You're never going to have because we know so little about this phenomenon. Because we know so little about these beings, ufologists and whistleblowers, unless you're the you're in the programs where they're recovering the bodies and and doing a a biological analysis of these beings, you cannot say with any degree of confidence that you're dealing with extraterrestrials. You can't because it's impossible. These could be beings living from the interior, coming from the interior of the earth. These could be interdimensional entities. Uh, in my mind, that's a bit of a stretch, but they could be. I do not rule that out. I do not. But, but, so, so you're never going to have somebody make that leap. But exotic, when they talk about exotic materials, vehicles not made on this earth or in, on this, in this world or whatever Davis's exact quote was, they are hinting to an extraterrestrial origin. I mean, let's say that we, we, we figure out that element 115, it's not on Earth, not a stable isotope of it, but it is on Mars in abundance, right? What if we knew that? What if we found that out? What would be the logical conclusion? That somebody's harvesting element 115 on Mars, right? Mars is a planet. It's not the Earth. It's not another dimension. So... If you subscribe to the extra-dimensional or the interdimensional hypothesis, where are they harvesting element 115? Are they harvesting it in Narnia, in Middle Earth? Where are they harvesting element 115? Where are they getting it from? They're getting it from a world. They're getting it from someplace that has this material in abundance. They're manufacturing these crafts. These craft are manufactured. So that's why when you talk about interdimensional or extra-dimensional, I don't understand what the difference is from an what the difference is between an extra-dimensional world and Mars. What's the difference? Honestly, what's the difference? Yeah, why can't they speak English? I get so annoyed with these uh they get so detailed in their terminologies. UFO, UAP, same thing you're seeing here. I agree. There is no difference, Tim. There's no difference because it's a world. It's got, okay, so it's a world. So let's, okay, well, what kind of world might that be? Is it a sphere? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, are we talking about another planet? And people will say, well, it's an extra dimension. Okay, fine. It's an extra dimension. But what makes that extra dimension different from this one? Okay, these craft are being harvested. They have metallic components. We know that Roswell. Remember the the memory metal, which I think we can now produce, by the way. So you you have components that are manufactured, and if you just reverse engineer this process, they have to be harvested. They have to be mined. These elements, these these metals, have to be mined from somewhere in the same way that we would do it, but probably much more advanced with lasers or whatever, and. But they're getting it from raw material. Where's the raw material coming from? Is it come? It's coming from somewhere in the universe or in a different universe, I guess. Because when you talk about extra dimensional, okay, that means they're coming from a different universe or something. Well, so you got two universes in play. It just complicates the whole scenario for me. When you talk about extra dimensional, it's like okay, we can hardly understand our universe, and you want to throw another one in here. I mean, it just doesn't. It it it's it's. That's why, to me, it's much more plausible. When you, and this is, it's tongue in cheek. When you hear about exotic materials, 
yes, they could come from an, I mean, theoretically, they could come from an, 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 a multiverse. They could come from a parallel universe. Sure. But that parallel universe is apparently very, very much like ours because they're building craft. They're building technology that crashes, that can be reverse engineered, that we can harvest components from. They're in bio- biological bodies, whether these are suits or whatever. They're in biological. There's a substrate of biology here somewhere. So the point is, um, I think, I think that we need to, we need to read between the lines here and understand that what we're being told. And I think we're, I think we're being told this even in, in a much less direct way from the Pentagon, but 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 we're being allowed to understand that we have craft that has isotopes, that has components, certain kinds of metal in it, in the craft, that don't come from planet Earth. And if that is the case, and I absolutely believe it is, then what does that say about the beings who built it? It means that they don't come from planet Earth, or let's say they do come from planet Earth. Let's say they're the Vril that the Nazi were looking for, for, and the Vril live under the ground. It still means that these entities went off planet Earth into outer space or whatever through the portal into some other dimension and went and, and harvested these elements, right? So at that point, what's the difference? If they're terrestrial entities who are going off planet to get exotic elements, at that point, they can go wherever they want. They can be anywhere. They can be on Mars. They can be on the dark side of the moon. They can be on Jupiter at that point. So, so w- when it says whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, I think you've pretty much beaten that horse to death. But it, uh, to me, when you talk to these intel guys, okay, words matter. Meanings of these words matter. You say non-human intelligence, and then you say whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin. Okay, non-human intelligence, let's go ahead and say it's not people, and we don't know if it's aliens or if it's other. What it, fill in other? Well, well, it's even more it's, it's even more specific if we're going to talk if we're going to reference David Grush's testimony because he said that that this task that that this uh there's that there was a broad crash retrieval program that he was not allowed to be read into, okay? And he said that this program was, quote, retrieving non-human origin technical vehicles, call it spacecraft, if you will, non-human exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. And he, and, and he also talked about recovering bodies. And, and, um, and uh, the, the, the fellow interviewing him, I can't remember his name, he asked, so we have spacecraft from another species, and Grush's response was, we do, yeah. And then he goes on to talk about, by the way, malevolent, what he calls malevolent events, encounters with uh, these entities that, that ended, that resulted in the death of, of, of some of the humans who encountered them or whatever. Maybe we we're trying to shoot them down or whatever. But the point is that we, we are talking about another species right there. We're talking about another species. And again, I don't even care where that species comes from necessarily. It's another species. It's not us. They are, therefore, by definition, whoever this species is, they are, by definition, alien. Because alien doesn't necessarily mean you have to come from a different planet. Extraterrestrial is another matter. But alien, you could have an alien species inhabiting the Earth. Older than the human species, they're just alien to us. They're not us. They're an alien species inhabiting the Earth. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. And who knows if Element 115 isn't somewhere 
lurking underneath the hollow earth. It it could be, but but I mean, uh, we I think we have a pretty good handle on you know the periodic table as it pertains to what kind of elements are on Earth. Um, we've been able to synthesize a bunch of things. Now, that doesn't preclude the possibility that there are elements d- in the deep inner Earth that we have no idea. Yes, that is absolutely possible. That is possible. But those would not really constitute exotic elements. Um, those would just be unknown elements. But m- maybe we're calling them exotic because we just don't know about them yet. That is a possibility. But here's a question. And I've been wrestling with this because so many people are so hostile to the idea that there are, quote unquote, space aliens. Uh, and I can't figure out why. So if you have, let's reference this blue thing that landed in this guy's backyard. If you have a vehicle like that, that's capable of extraordinary aerial feats, uh, that, that, that is able to traverse through the atmosphere um, that is able to traverse through the water just in the same manner as it traverses through the atmosphere, able to come up from the ocean, come up out of the water without making a splash, and go into the atmosphere, and there's really no difference between the water and the atmosphere in terms of how it's affecting the craft. And that craft, there's no reason to believe that that craft is going to be terrestrial bound. <clears throat> what? Why do we think that a craft so sophisticated could not just go up into outer space and go wherever the hell it wants to go go to mars go to jupiter and furthermore if we're talking about extra dimensions you have to open up a portal between one dimension to get into another which would take a tremendous amount of energy it would be like it would be like uh, einstein rosenbridge mm-hmm. which isn't op- which isn't opening a gate to another dimension rather it's just bending it's folding the fabric of space and it's and you're puncturing a hole through through to positions in the space-time continuum that were distant, but because you folded it, you can go right through. So, so I don't understand what the and I and I guess I'm just sort of uh, ranting here to you guys. I don't understand what the disconnect is. What, what is maybe you guys can enlighten me? Not to say that this is your position, but why is it so hard for people to talk about outer space when I, when we so freely talk about interdimensional stuff? I th- I think here's one of the problems because immediately anytime you say aliens, people are going to say, "Well, aliens are demons," and uh, that's just the end of it. Well, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and argue theology with anybody because we found dead microbes on Mars. So are those dead demons on Mars? The little viruses that we found, you know, we found that what back in the '90s with the Viking rover. So you know, I I look, we're all three of us are Christians. All three of us are bought and born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. No one here is saying or contesting anything that the Bible says. What we're trying to put forth to you is merely just a question is if we can't explain it and the, you know, the experts can't explain it and you can't explain it either. Then what in the hell is we're talking about? So many people are seeing has been documented all throughout history. And now it's coming out more and more. And the government says, oh, by the way, we have the craft. So I asked you this uh, yesterday, Vimanas. Or could this be Vimanas? And you told me no, because the power source or fuel source is not correct. Do you want to uh, brief us well, on Well, Vimana, according to, the, tr- according to the, the Indian sagas, the Vimanas are the Mahabharata and the Ramayana and some of the other ancient Sanskrit texts, Vimanas operate on 
a Mercury Vortex engine. And Mercury is plentiful on Earth. And there's no terrestrial. There's no indication that that the Vimanas, according to uh, the diagrams and everything that exists in the Sanskrit text, have any kind of exotic components. Okay. And, and, uh, and they're just, they're, they're using a Mercury Vortex engine. So, um, that would not be a craft with exotic components. That would be a craft that's using the component, components, elements from planet Earth to, to build a device that can do all of the extraordinary things that the Vimanas could do. And uh, so that would not be exotic in the in, in the sense that the components come from somewhere other than planet Earth the materials. Okay, let's move on to this. Based on the vehicles, morphologies, material science testing, and the possession of unique atomic arrangements, radiological signatures. I made fun of this because being a smartass that I am, when someone says, oh, how do you know it, it's it's alien? Oh, we tested it. Well, okay. The, the marine in me says, "Well, testing means I went over and I, I, you know, scratched my initials into it with my K bar, and yeah, it's definitely metal. I got some metal shavings." Well, that's not exactly material science testing, according to Tim. And here's the other thing: vehicle morphologies. What the automatically what my mind goes to morphologies, morphing, changing of object is there. And there are guys you can do your own, you know, investigations on this if you want. But there are so many different reports from uh, military, private, and commercial airliners of seeing objects um, spherical, the orbs that will uh, change from one orb to two orbs to three orbs to 12 orbs and then collapse all back down into one orb again. And there's been others have said that they've seen it moving serpentine like a snake flying through the sky as well. But that's not what you described to me as morphology. So why don't you give us that definition? Well, I was just referencing the late Colonel Corso's manuscript, uh, his, and, and the things that he talked about regarding the, uh, and I'm trying to remember the exact terminology he used, but, the, but he says that the, the, the skin of the craft, the, 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 the metal of the craft was able to change its atomic structure. It was able to rearrange its atomic structure, uh, whatever that means, maybe take a different shape or something of that nature. And, uh, that could be morphology, but I'm not exactly sure what they're saying. Morphology could be a term that's used, uh, in, in physics in a different way than, than we're thinking completely. Or it could just, it could also just reference the, the, the way that the materials are manufactured. In other words, one of the, one of the common features that's often described of these exotic craft is that they don't have any rivets. They don't have any seams. They seem to have been molded from like a singular uh, metal or something uh, that they, they're seamless. They're they're. It's quite extraordinary if you think about it, because we, we couldn't create an entire craft like that ourselves um, without rivets and joints and things like that. But, but apparently they do. And so that, that could be what they mean by morphology. But again, this could just be a term, you know, that's, that's in metallurgy or physics that, that, that means something very specific that I'm un- unaware of. Okay. Unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. What's, well, that would, ju- that would just, that would just be indicating that those, that that this material is not anything that we know of on Earth. 
That would be an indication of that. Okay, so he goes on to say we're not talking about prosaic origins or identities. Right. The so material it's not, it's includes not the Chinese. It's partially intact vehicles. It's not the Chinese. It's not the Russians. It's and it's not us. That's what he's saying. It's non-human exotic materials. He's saying extraterrestrial without saying extraterrestrial. So now, he... Saying, now maybe is he saying interdimensional? Maybe, but nobody knows anything what that looks like or whatever. Uh, as far as I know, nobody's gone through an interdimensional portal to go and scope it out and come back and tell us what it's like. We don't, we have no idea what that would even be like, but I, but as I always say, and this is why it baffles me that this is discounted. So, uh, so presumptuously is what I always say is you can get a high power telescope and see the rings on Saturn. You can look at Mars and it's quite impressive. and, And you can see this beautiful planet very much like earth and uh, it, it's not difficult for me to imagine, let's say, for example, the greys inhabiting the interior of Mars manufacturing these things. It's not hard. It's, it's quite easy because I can actually see the planet Mars through my telescope, through a telescope. Uh, whereas an interdimensional world, you, you can't describe it. You can't touch it. You can't see it. You can't prove it. It's just a concept. And again, I, I keep I keep ranting on the interdimensional thing because that is the primary contention. The the the, the contention about demons is is uh, at this point uh, it's not even really a serious contention because you, you have to first of all, it's like what is a woman? Well, what is a demon? You have to define a demon first before we you can even talk about a demon. If you're talking about a Western Christian or just a Western world's definition of a demon then you're then 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 it could be literally anything a demon could be literally anything but if you're talking about within the constraints of the hebrew worldview you're talking about a very specific a specific disembodied creature uh the spirits of dead giants <clears throat> the ravenous spirits of dead giants seeking to inhabit bodies that's what a demon is um and as far as i know they don't manufacture technology and they're tied to earth they're specifically Earth-born. Yeah. Those are specifically Earth-born creatures. That's part of what their their name in, in Greek means. So the and the the hard the other hard part of that is that they'll say the Nephilim, the fallen angels. So let's clear that up real quick before. Well, because we move people on. conflate demons, uh, Nephilim, and fallen angels. Those are those are. Those are two different things. Nephilim and demons are the exact same thing. Nephilim could refer to a living giant or or the spirit of a dead one, which the spirits are 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 the. I would say that the the accurate terminology would be an unclean spirit or an evil spirit. That would be that's what a demon is. But those spirits proceeded according to the Hebrew worldview, proceeded from the bodies of dead Nephilim. So the dead giants. So those are basically the same thing. Maybe a Nephilim is the living one, the actual physical being, and the unclean spirit of the evil spirit is, and that is what the Bible calls a demon, uh, by the way, what, 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 what the Greek renders as a demon. Um, and uh, so when you say demon, it, you got to have a context for it, or the word literally means nothing. So if you're re- referencing a demon from, from the biblical perspective, then you should be accurate and understand that you're talking about the kind of things that Jesus cast out of, for example, the, the Gadarene demoniac, the legion that was inhabiting him. 
Um, that's a demon. Those are demons. Uh, uh, or you could also call them Nephilim. They're spirits of the Nephilim. Um, Nephilim themselves are the offspring of the Watchers, who are, quote-unquote, fallen angels. Not a big fan of the term fallen angel, but it's it's suffice to describe what we're talking about. Uh, it suffices to describe what we're talking about. So those are different things. Now, if you say... I believe that that uh, the entities that are piloting these craft are fallen angels. Well, I wouldn't re- disagree. I think some of them are. I wouldn't call them fallen angels. I would just call them uh, insubordinate sons of God or insurrectionary or rebellious sons of God or apostate sons of God. They're, they're, they're an angelic race, and I fully expect them to be uh, at the helm of advanced aerospace vehicles. Fully expect them to, to be doing that. So... So I would agree with that statement, the, the the general premise of that statement. Fallen angels, uh, you know, are the ones flying around. Well, I would I would I would not be so definitive. I would not say that all of these craft can be explained by fallen angels. What about the good guys? I mean, why why leave out the good guys? Why do we always just talk about the fallen angels? What about the good ones? Are they flying around these craft? I think so. So just angels would be a better way to say that rather than just fallen angels. Um in terms of who's piloting these craft, but I would never limit it to that. I would say there's probably a, a host of different things going on, different factions, different entities, hybrids. I think is probably too complex, even really, to 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 get a to get a handle on it. Even if you were read into these programs, uh, these reverse engineering programs, and saw the the data, the analysis from the autopsies of the bodies, we still probably would be left, you know, pretty clueless about what exactly is going on. So let's let's talk about the craft then, right? Because Grush says that the material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. So evidently, these things can fly through space. They can hit water at mock speeds, which should destroy it. It should completely disintegrate anything. If it's moving through the air, yeah, but not um, if it's in its own gravity bubble. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So what? Do you think we'll see anything intact craft, partially intact craft? Uh, we'll have any revelation of that, that the no, government will it's say, look, here's a piece. Unless Congress were to, de- I don't know if Congress has the power even, I don't know, to declassify something like that. But no, because it's classified. Yeah, it has to be declassified. They'll never show it to us. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Dave? They never will. Um, they've had how many years now? 70, 80 years. I agree. They never will. Um, even if they have retrieved crash saucers, that's an industry unto itself. And I think they want to keep it a proprietary secret. Um, you and know, maybe for good reason, you know, for Dave, we got technology that trumps anything that the Chinese, the Russians have. We're not going to show that. We're not going to, we're not going to let them know. We'll send it to Ukraine. Yeah. But then what's the, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. The the one thing, though, with, the problem I have with that last statement, though, Tim, is this. Um, we could rule the world. Why are we giving up our sovereignty to uh, international organizations like the WEF and the WHO? If we had that technology, we wouldn't have to bend the knee to anybody. Because there's a different plan for that technology, I would, I would just say, uh, using... Richard Dolan's phrase, a breakaway civilization. I think there is a breakaway civilization at this point that transcends governments, transcends well, governments. If you look, if if you take a, a, a quick trip back into history, look at the Glock and the Nazi bell. All right. They had something that 
according to their testimony, and that's very limited testimony that I think has become completely hyperbolic and blown out of proportion because it sells a lot of T-shirts and DVDs and History Channel was able to continue to pay their guys off of, you know, ancient aliens. There's very, very little known about the Glock. Very little known. I have looked extensively. Dave knows this. We've argued for hours and hours about this. Um, but what is there is referenced in American annuals by our scientists talking with Nazi scientists. They had something that could do anything that our, our regular craft at that point in time could not do. And they lost control of it, killed a bunch of dudes. So either maybe Tim, they had enough metal urgy to harness some sort of, let's just say element 115 to make this thing lift up off the ground and then catastrophic failure and we never saw a repeat of it maybe they were just circulating mercury at high speeds yeah yeah so and then but quickly after world war ii 47 48 comes along you have roswell all right so we have all these reports uh admiral Byrd down in antarctica fighting against ufos you have the glock the nazi bell ufo um you're seeing the foo fighters and then we have the crash landing and then we have bodies, and now we have an intact, partially intact spacecraft with bodies. Let's move on from there and see if we can connect to present day. What do you mean? Well, I, this is what this guy says. The materials include intact and partially yeah, intact vehicles. Well, it's, it's important to recognize, too, that this is, this is nothing new. I should have said this right out of the gates. Um Regardless of what this guy's background is, regardless of his, whether or not he's telling the truth intentionally, he is telling the truth, at least unintentionally. We d- Ufologists have known this for decades, that the government has been recovering crashed UFOs and bodies, secreting, secreting them away to s- underground military installations, and, uh, and has been working to reverse engineer them. We know that. I mean, that, that to me, it's a given. I think any ufologist worth his salt who's done his homework knows that that's a fact, a fact. And so everything this guy said, from my point of view, is absolutely true. He didn't say anything that would raise a red flag to me. Nothing. There's no messaging in what he's saying. He's not trying to convince us about exactly what these entities are, what their purpose is, or even what the government's purpose is, except for we're looking to develop weapons, which is obvious because this is in the purview of the military. So, So nothing he said drew a red flag everything he said i believe is accurate whether he whether he knows it or not whether he's got the documentation or not it is accurate what he said i would say absolutely that's happening it validates bob lazar's story or it corroborates it um and so that if i would have heard something from this guy that would have been out of left field that was totally something that does not conform to what ufologists have known for decades and 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 have known based on good research especially the old school guys good research um and and evidence so if it didn't conform to that then i'd start to get suspicious because then i'd say wait a minute they're trying to change reality here they're trying to tell us something that we know is not true they're trying to uh they're trying to distract us away from whatever but when you talk about the government, he, he said that we've been doing this for decades. We have numerous of yeah. these craft. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's absolutely true. So um, I think it is important, and I should have said this right out of the gates, is that I absolutely 
uh, affirm what he said to be true. I don't affirm him as an individual. I don't affirm that his that he's telling the truth, that he has the goods. I don't affirm any of that because I don't know. But I do affirm that what he actually said is true, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I want to read this statement, and I'd like for you two guys to give me a response to it. A number of well-placed current and former officials have shared detailed information with me regarding this alleged program, including insights into the history, governing documents, and the location where a craft was allegedly abandoned and recovered. However, it is a delicate matter getting this potentially explosive information into the right hands for validation. Tim, you've mentioned this. This is made harder by the fact that, rightly or wrongly, a number of potential sources do not trust the leadership of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office established by Congress. So, before, it's a dog and pony show. Yeah, before before you guys comment, I'm, I'm going to take the, the dark side of this. I'll be the, the evil government agent for a second. This guy was a GS-15. That's the highest rank that you get in the government before you get into the senior executive staff, and that's your like actual deep state. All right, those are those are the guys who run the country. Yeah, yeah that's true. So this guy comes to the declassification office and says, "Hey, by the way, I have a pamphlet here of materials that I'm not supposed to have that can change utterly the world, and uh, proves that we've been lying to everybody. We don't have an answer." You know, for this, and it's going to uncover quite a lot of stuff, and Congress is going to throw a hissy fit over it, and everybody is going to be put in the limelight because of me, because I, in my virtue, say that this is a good thing, and uh, I just want your signature right here, just approve it, stamp right there, um, that way I don't get whacked, and I'm going to move forward by reporting this to Congress. You know what I would say as declassification officer? All right, if we're if we're a few years ago. Leave the material right here. Turn around. You're under arrest. Um, because if I don't arrest you, then they're going to come and arrest me for not arresting you. And you're going to get your legs broke. And I'm going to get my legs broke. What in the hell are you thinking? I can't tell you to go put that back because you took something you're not supposed to, either out of a skiff or wherever the location where this was. And in your good conscience or not, you're going to get a lot of people killed, yourself killed. Uh, and I'm not going to get caught up in this. Well, we don't know all the details behind that. No. I mean, had no, I he already gone to members in the press? Had, was he already in conversation with a bunch of people that would have would have would have uh, reported on the fact that they wouldn't give him clearance for those documents or whatever? Who knows? Or who was the person that he was getting the clearance from? Was it maybe a friend of his? Maybe maybe someone who agrees with him? Maybe someone who feels the same way as he does? I don't know. Yeah, at that GS fifteen rank. Right, Tim, you you have you have the power of a one star general. You got a lot of things that you can do at that rank, and so you know, especially if it's a bunch of GS fifteens talking to each other, who's going to tell them no? Exactly. The SESers aren't sitting. The the, the SESers are the guys that are in like their sixties and seventies. Still, and maybe that guy's dead. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the guy who's who signed yeah. it is but dead. The problem I have with all of this, though, okay, is this: Ed Snowden's in Russia for a reason. This guy has had no consequences. And this is serious stuff. That's why I had trouble with the story in the first place. Well, I, 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 I lean more credit now to what Tim says that 
now is the best time more than ever to come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm claiming whistleblower protection. This is the right Congress. You wouldn't do this with a Democratic Congress. You'd, you'd get Arkansas real fast. You know, you, you would have drove into an explosion. Um, but this guy, according to what Tim says, this, this is the best protections you have as of yet. L- Luis Elizondo's out walking around making a crap load of money talking if, about all if, this stuff. If he's real, if he's not disinfo, you know, just. Tim? Oh, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's disinfo or not, but I don't either. I did, but to me, the fact that he's alive, either he's telling the truth and someone's turning the blind eye, which I can't believe is true, or he's disinfo. Um, well, but you know, you mentioned Snowden, you mentioned Snowden and uh, the, and that we were talking about that, uh, that young man who, uh, Manning. What did he Chelsea do? Manning. Yes, Manning, right, right, right. And he uh, private Manning. Something to do with the Navy and classified documents and and well this is different though. Why is this different? Because the things that Snowden was revealing were not open in the public. This was we were not having candid conversations about that stuff. The media was not talking about it. Uh there was not investigations going on in Congress about it. Had there been, had that been the environment, had you had members of Congress who were very open to doing these kinds of investigations, they would have taken his side. But they didn't because it was the wrong environment. Maybe if there was a Snowden today, that wouldn't have happened. That The new Snowden wouldn't be in Russia. Um, once these things, once the lid breaks on these things, it's a different environment. It has to be treated differently. Uh, and so the lid was cracked on the UFO stuff. And and it wasn't cracked in the way that the Snowden thing was, like, you know, the media coming out against him and everybody protecting the intelligence agencies and making excusing for the, excuses for the spying and just a handful of people in Congress being on Snowden's side. That was the environment then. But this is different. Most of, if you talk to pro- probably anybody in Congress, if you went up to him with a microphone, anybody on either side of the aisle, you go up to him with a microphone, should the government tell us what it knows about UFOs? Every single one of them is going to say yes. Yeah, you mentioned even Swalwell. Even, yeah, exactly. They're all going to say yes right now because this is the environment we're in. So you have all of Congress that's willing to, to, to think about this and talk about it. You have all of the media, the, from the New York Times to Fox News to, to Newsmen, everybody across the board is now willing to talk about this. Thank you, Tucker Carlson, in large part. Um, and, and the public is absolutely intrigued, and most of the public would believe that we are in possession of extraterrestrial craft at this point. So it's a different environment. Um, the lid is, has been busted open on this thing, or at least cracked open enough. It's created a different environment, and that's precisely why maybe this guy came out right now and why nobody did before um uh, bob lazar's story was quite different he wasn't a government guy he was a he was just some guy that was contracted by private contractors was totally different deal nobody had to believe him nobody cared to believe him um you it was just the whack jobs and conspiracy theories theorists talking about ufos and underground bases and area 51 and the s4 facility and flying saucers it was the crackpots that's not the case anymore so Snowden went up against the the uh, intelligence community, and the intelligence community is protected by Congress and and the media. So who was his ally? Nobody. That's why he had to run to Russia. No, he didn't have any allies. 
He didn't have, he couldn't walk up to any, uh, any group in Congress and put the documents on the table and, and get any kind of cover. This is different. The environment is such right now that this guy was able to do that. There is an, an investigation of UFOs. There is a call for more in- investigations into UFOs. It's like the environment's different. That's all I can say. Now, that is not to say that I'm, I'm affirming that this guy, that this guy is, uh, telling the truth, has the goods. It's not to say that I'm totally convinced that this isn't some kind of a psyop. I don't know. All I know is that I can tell you from all of my research and from my opinion, what he's saying is true. What about the Vatican? You you have the Vatican and the world's largest binocular scope, Lucifer, out there on uh, Mount Graham. You and uh, Tom Horn, Steve Quell have visited that before. Do we expect to hear anything from Tom and Chris Putnam? I don't think Steve and I have ever been to Graham. Okay, okay, right. Um, Do you expect to to hear anything from the Vatican on this? No. No, I don't think the Vatican is going to cross wires with the Pentagon. Um, I don't think, you know, the Vatican's intelligence, by the way, the Vatican's intelligence uh, community it's 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 intelligence apparatus what what our government calls it the entity is bigger and more informed than anything we have and has been for a very long time um uh, but i don't think the vatican is going to come out and talk about this yet i think they will at some point in the future um but they're not going to comment they might you might i mean you might hear priests uh individual bishops and and different Vatican personnel coming out and talking about these are demons, be careful, something like that, which would fit into a lot of their worldview. Remember, the Vatican, there isn't a unified voice. Um, There is officially, through the Pope, which, by the way, he might be dying in the next week here or so, but um, there isn't an official, uh, let's say, um, there isn't a position that's agreed upon by all members of the Holy See. There's a division in the Vatican over many things, um, and uh, and certainly as in regard to UFOs and aliens, I'm sure there's a division, there's an infighting, there's different positions inside of the Vatican regarding how we should view this phenomenon. But I bet you there's hardly anyone who doesn't believe that UFOs are real or that aliens are real. Um, I think we all believe that. I think we're right. trying to get what the true nature of the of the threat is. I, it's to me, it's a threat. When you have a, a superior technology encounter an inferior technology, one of two things happens. The inferior technology is either destroyed or it's assimilated. And and that's, to me, what the main source is. I want to go back to this incident we saw, because I've been running this back through my head. Um, let's look at it from a couple of perspectives. One, this blue light's there, ostensibly. We think that's what landed in the back- backyard. Why would these aliens land in a backyard, and how are they able to leave? To me, there's a lot of holes in this story that aren't explained. Well, if I'm you look sure. at the area, Certainly. the residential area that they landed in, they didn't land in the pool. Obviously, the, the guy's backyard was the clearest area, so you had to look down and plot that. And, you know, if if you're flying in a drone, Unless you have a, a, a 360 degree directional camera, which some do. And if we're talking about the government, I mean, we have extra, extraordinarily advanced stuff. Um, you would have to plot your, your landing path. Um, I, I, 
I don't know why you would if you're going to visit people and you're going to say, "Hey, we're the aliens." Um, you know, why why land in the back of this one dude's yard and not get well, out and make a scene? Well, they right? didn't say anything and uh, as you said before, if there was a technical issue, maybe they had to land temporarily, fix something, and then take off again. Um, I don't know. But, uh, you know, there is some speculation that that and this is just rank speculation. I don't know if there's any truth to this, but there is some speculation that some of these craft require water. Uh, they 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 have to land. They have to hover over bodies of water. And uh, a very quick anecdotal story. I was in Peru. And uh, we were investigating this lagoon, and uh, we were looking for Inca treasure in the lagoon, actually. And uh, we were approached by townspeople who told us, and Chase Kletsky was with us, and uh, Chase had been told this by the mayor, and then we, we had it verified by some of the townspeople nearby, Lake Moron. Um, it, it's spelled moron, but in Spanish it's moron. Uh in uh, in the Paracas area, actually in the Ica area, uh, the, the Pisco area, rather. Um, and they say, all these townspeople say that, and they saw it clear as a day. It's a fascinating story. I mean, they saw it um, in, in, in broad daylight. Uh, a saucer hovered over this. It's a small lake. It's like a big pond. So hovered over this body of water and began to draw the water up into the craft. Yeah. Now, it was doing this for, for a while. And the people were freaked out. Now, here's the thing about this area. This town depends on that body of water. So they were freaked out for two reasons. Number one, this is in the desert. I mean, sand dunes, total desert, very, very arid wasteland, not a whole lot of water. So they freaked out, A, because it's this flying saucer, right? Uh, And B, because it's sucking up their water. And so as remarkable as it sounds, it's true. The townspeople... Uh, a, a group of them gathered around and started throwing rocks at the craft that were dinking off of it as it's sucking this water up from the from this lagoon. Not hitting and, a force field or anything? Well, they were throwing rocks at it, and it was hitting something. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, these and these people were, they, they, they'll all tell you the story. And again, the mayor told the story to Chase Pletsky and to L.A. Marsuli when they were in Peru. And Chase and L.A. were with us again in that area. And uh, we Do you were think it's fuel? Do you think the water's fuel? I don't know if the water's fuel. Maybe it's maybe they needed to cool down the reactor like we do with nuclear reactors. It could be fuel. Um, but, but, but I'm just, again, I'm spitballing here. Maybe this thing, the guy had a pull. Maybe it needed water. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, there's any number of things. Uh, there's any number of reasons why a craft would land. And people always, they say this, and this is a, this is becoming a very tiresome trope. So you have these sophisticated extraterrestrials that have these vehicles, these advanced vehicles, and they crash, you know, and they, and they yes, they crash. These are not in, infallible creatures. You're talking about technology. Technology malfunctions. I don't care how sophisticated it is. Under, especially under, um, if it's in a different environment than, in, than, than, than the one that it was manufactured in. Uh, if it's encountering things in the atmosphere that, that, that are different. If, if it's a random, you know, uh, getting struck by lightning or something, it's technology. We don't know what kind of thing. I mean, it's possible that something simple could be interfering with the navigational 
system on the craft. It's it's so that this idea that just because it's an advanced piece of hardware for an or extraterrestrial doesn't mean it's not going to crash yeah, or it's it, not going to malfunction. I just the, to me, I, I just in my mind works like this. A fix normally you would think would come inside the craft. I don't think they have to get outside and, so to speak, kick the hubcaps. Um, like I said, to me, there's just a lot of unexplained stuff. And I'm troubled by the fact that they didn't show the footage from the backyard. Well, if it's sucking up water, you know, it's funny, Dave. You and I covered this. Um, the guard from the Buffalo shooter um, that happened in New York. That's right. That's right. He he was creating a patent. He had a patent, a government patent, for a engine that was running off water. And there's another guy back in, what, the 80s? He was assassinated, said that he was poisoned by these two guys. I think they were S- Swedes, maybe, sitting at a Cracker Barrel, I think. And uh, you know, grabbed his throat and said, oh, I've been poisoned, What's sitting right next to his brother and dies. Well, he created... A more or less a, a dune buggy that ran off of just water. So you know, there's it's plausible that that it was water. It could be anything. I mean, like I said, yeah. when you're talking about it, it, non-human entities and 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 technology that's beyond our comprehension, it could be anything, and it could be intentional. It could be a hoax, but it also could be intentional. They, it could be like Dave said, it's maybe it's not coincidental that the day after. Or a couple of days after this extraordinary revelation from this whistleblower, suddenly this story breaks on Channel 8 in Vegas. It could be anything. Um, well, the one comment from the cop, though, uh, the, the cop wasn't convinced. He made a joke of it. So he didn't see anything that would have given him the same level of concern as the caller. And I'm not saying it didn't exist, but something got changed. And we don't know the response time to the event, the calls made, how long did the cops take to get there. Um, the cop not having the same reaction. I mean, he's jovial, making fun of it. Uh, the other people are upset, and then they're very matter-of-fact. I mean, there's a lot of things there that, to me, I think need explanation. I, I don't think we got a full report. I'm not doubting the people's authenticity and what they're saying. I'm just saying it's a crappy coverage of a news story. And we're just getting the first slice of that pie. And, and, and the other thing that bothers me, too, is, okay, it's our policy. We don't show private property. What the hell? They were showing the front yard. That's private property. So yeah, their, that was explana- kind of weird. their explanation doesn't hold water. Uh, we have an incomplete story. And the public uh, interest in this should outweigh some minuscule policy. I agree. All right, so... Last thing we'll talk about, terrestrial arms race. What is there to gain for a nation state to have one of these craft working? Let's say we get one working and we can pilot it. No, we don't want one. I think we would want to manufacture a fleet. I think we would want to, we would want to weaponize it. I mean, um, you know, I mean, and also you talk about space exploration. If, if you if you could, a, a vehicle that can move through the air and water the same in the same manner. Um, I mean, that's it's just, for every, every application, every imaginable application, makes submarines obsolete. Makes everything obsolete. I yeah. mean, yeah, 
And, and why crops. would you not? You know, why would you not seeing the? Why are you not seeing these things deployed on battlefields? Well, maybe you are in some way, shape, or form that we we just don't see because again, maybe they're invisible, or maybe they're being used from space. Uh, whatever. I don't know. But the, but I do believe that this transcends, and this is part of the reason why it's, there's been such a massive cover up. It's not in the hands of one government. It's not in the hands of just the United States military industrial complex. I think that, I think this, this topic, this technology, this knowledge transcends every government. It is a, there is, there, there's, in my mind, there's got to be some kind of a breakaway civilization that's been using this technology, whatever they can derive. What do you mean from by it. breakaway, Tim? It would mean a, the, this has been secret for so long that the individuals who have the knowledge, who have the technology, um, that would give them an unimaginable amount of power to have that kind of technology, especially if they can repurpose it, rebuild it, replicate it, um, that you would, you would, it could give rise and probably would give rise to a group of people who were, who were more powerful than anybody else on the earth and had no allegiance to any nation. You're talking about extraterrestrial technology and knowledge and the ability to do who knows what, the ability to uh, go to Mars, harvest minerals on Mars, do whatever, build bases, uh, elsewhere in the solar system, live off planet. Uh, I mean, you could have uh, a group of people who have completely left the society behind in terms of their technological development and, and just kept it secret for their own purposes, for their own aims, which is exactly what secret societies do. Um, I, I, I absolutely uh, subscribe to the notion that that there is a breakaway civilization um, on, on some level, on some level, and that's part of the reason why there's so much secrecy. Like all the all the all the deep underground military bases, all the deep underground the dumbs that are all over. Well, I call it the United States. Really, not within the within the jurisdiction of the United States anymore. When you're ten miles below the surface of the Earth, you're 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 basically out of sight, out of mind, out of touch. You you're out of reach. Um. At that point. So who, who, who are all those? Do all those bases belong to the United States military? I doubt it. I doubt it. I want to bring up something because I think these revelations of what's coming out may actually, the U.S. government may actually come out with their own modern day UFO. And that might be, and I've held on to this for quite a while, but this has always been my speculation. Um, have you heard of Project Mayhem? No. So Project Mayhem is the Air Force secret hypersonic bomber. Project Mayhem, the Air Force secret hypersonic bomber, would be an air-breathing Mach 10 flight replacement for the SR-71. And Mach 10, that's pretty fast. Um, the U.S. Air Force Research Laboratory recently awarded a $334 million contract to several engineering companies, including Drapper, to oversee designs, prototypes, and tests of Project Mayhem. So prototypes means multiple. At hypersonic speeds, heat makes building and testing hypersonic planes a tricky business. It would help if you had some exotic material. Well, because I? it's moving through the atmosphere rather than bending mm-hmm. the space-time around it. But the the picture of this is very interesting, the, the, um, the artist's rendition, which obviously may not even be anything near what it would look like, but it does not look like a flying saucer. It just looks like a plane. It looks almost like um, 
a regular jet plane. But this is going to be a bomber, something that would be able to defeat the hypersonic missiles from China and also Russia. Which, or deliver deliver hypersonic missiles, maybe. Well, or deliver a a nuclear weapon or a, a neutron bomb at hypersonic speeds. So when you can only launch one missile, we got a bomber coming at you, dropping multiple. Um, and the the newest race in weaponology right now is is the hypersonics. No longer supersonics, hypersonic. And the other thing that we can think of that, that comes anywhere close to any of this has been the the UFO disclosure stuff, Tim. Well, even hypersonic is nothing compared to what these craft can do. That's right. Because again, air- because because they would be moving through the atmosphere, so you'd have the heat, you'd have the friction. Whereas clearly, these craft are not operating in that way. They're not just moving through the atmosphere with propulsion. Uh, they're doing something else. They're, they're and again. I subscribe to what uh, Lazar said about them that they're using gravity waves to to basically bend space time around them. Um, and so. It's it's those are two completely different kinds of technology too. two completely different kinds of technology. Hypersonic stuff is still conventional. It's just the most advanced conventional stuff that we know about, but it's still conventional. But it does it does make one wonder if we've got all these and maybe we don't maybe 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 we don't really have as much reverse engineered stuff as as I've assumed in the past, hybridized craft. If we have these things, then we wouldn't need to be worried about anything that China could shoot at us or North Korea or Russia, right? Because we could just intercept it in the blink of an eye and do what and do what these uh, and do what the the UFOs do: disable things in mid-flight, for example, missiles, rockets. So I don't know. It's uh, there's missing pieces, you know, we're looking at the jigsaw puzzle and we just got a few of the corners in place. Well, let's bring this to a conclusion, Dave. Um, I want you to reference real quick about the story that you've related a few times about your father when he was um, interviewing Nazi scientists and about how they got their technology, which was far advanced and superior to ours, what, and what they said that they got it from. Well, we got to remember, he was talking to people who obviously were at a lower level of command because he asked him a question, how did you guys get so far ahead in theoretical physics? And the answer universally was alien. So he'd ask one, ask another, ask another. Got the same answer. Asked hmm. the same question. Uh, did you ever meet these aliens? No, our commanders did. And my dad walked away from it saying, well, I know about the Nazi penchant for the occult. Mm-hmm. They very well could have been dealing with demonic beings. And But he didn't know. I mean, that was just the best guess he could make based on information that he had at the time. Um, but at that, also he, he referenced for me something called um, uh, Project Bluebeam. He said... I'm not so sure this isn't a setup down the road for a fake alien invasion. He goes, we've talked about it in Intel for 25 years. He told me that in 1985. That is fascinating. So um, I look at that, you know, is there something to this phenomena to say this is all lunacy and we're all crazy? That is a really ignorant statement. It would be an ignorant belief. 
But what it is, I, I like your idea, Tim, of breakaway civilization. I talked to someone in NASA who was fairly high up at one time, and this goes back. Uh, he was friends with Art Bell, gave Art Bell a bunch of information, too. And he told me that uh, the, the belief was, in some circles, that what's coming here was us from a long time ago, if I were to make it simple. And I still, when you say breakaway civilization, that's what you put me in the mind of. Right, right. But, uh, you know, it's also interesting that when your dad asked the question that the response was aliens. It wasn't spirit beings. It wasn't uh, ascended masters. It was aliens. And and if you're going to get that sort of response, then what's the first thing you think? Extraterrestrials. I mean, that would be the first thing I would think if someone said aliens. There's a lot of other ways they could have described uh, entities that were contacted through the occult, which that's not to say that they weren't contacted through the occult. But, um, you know, that the fact that that was the response and not just non-human, non-humans, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, you know, where this sits, it's hard to tell. It really is hard to tell, but I can't help but believe that whatever we're talking about here has a bearing on the anti-human decisions being made today. We're doing things uh, from a leadership perspective uh, globally on the planet that are so counterproductive to the welfare of people, both for their mental health and their physical safety. And I'm wondering how much of this outside situation we're talking about is in are these leaders being influenced by these entities i think that's also a distinct possibility um there is something to be said about the the occult uh, and i and and i have said this on many occasions and it's it's something that's overlooked and it's it's really a whole nother conversation but i'll mention it again and that is that uh I believe, and so did David Jacobs, and so did the late Bud Hopkins, that the Greys showed up and the abduction program began in the late 1800s. And what's really fascinating about the mid to late 1800s is you had a phenomenon going on, a phenomenon that's often overlooked. There's not like documentaries about it. Nobody really talks about it, but it was a major phenomenon going on before or rather during the point at which uh, we think that the greys arrived, and that is the phenomenon of spiritualism. Like when, I say, when I say spiritualism, wow. I mean seances, contacting yeah. the dead. You're right. Uh, there, it's, You're right. In fact, it was said, I was I, I, I was read through news articles from that time about it, and, and I've read some, some books and things, and it was said that it was, uh, during that period of time, it was just as common to go to a seance to try and contact a dead relative as it was to go to church on Sunday morning. Yep. Yeah. And it, was it, all over, it was all over the It was now. just pervasive. There was, there was, there was hundreds of, of uh, spiritualist periodicals circulating in America at the time. You had, you had uh, Helena Blavatsky, you had all of these different um, uh, uh, prominent occult figures in the West. Um, you had a, that's, it means spiritualism was off the charts. And it just so happens that that's the time that the greys arrive, um, in my estimation. And again, Jacobs believed the same, and and uh, believes the same, and 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 Bud Hopkins believed the same. And so, uh, I think that that's a very. I don't think you can. I think that is a a connection uh, 
that is very important. I don't think it's coincidental. Um, I think it has to do something with the innate ability of human beings to be telepathic. I believe perhaps we were sending out a signal uh, unawares, but there's also some sort of a a spiritual, let's call it demonic um, um, element to all of this. Uh, not to say that those entities are disembodied, unclean spirits. The, the, for the, the greys, for example, they're not, in my opinion, they're not, but they are certainly demonic. They are certainly malevolent. They are yeah. certainly nefarious. Let me pick up on that real quick. I believe the malevolent, and I'll tell you why I believe it. If you look at everything that world governments are honoring today, it's anything that doesn't end in procreation, no matter how perverse, how distasteful, and who mm-hmm. gets victimized. It doesn't matter. And if there's interaction between these entities and world leaders, then there's a depopulation move on this planet that's not from the planet. Mm, very good point. Very and, and good point. All, and all this is is always, you know, trying to point believers away from Christ. And, you know, in the 19th century, Helena Blavatsky, what she said was she was approached in her dreams when she was a child and then in her 20s and, and so on by this Eastern man because she was into hinduism and buddhism she actually brought that over to america her and a man that was kind of like her husband that she traveled with and she spread that all throughout europe she spread it all throughout america and the age of enlightenment 19th century um from from actually from the 1700s stage of enlightenment then into the 1800s that's also when you have the three major formations of secret societies in america um the the freemasons and then you had the woodsmen's and then, uh, the, uh, another one's called the Knights something, but there, there are two branches of Freemasonry, which went right into Eastern esotericism and, and all that other stuff. So I think that's a very good correlation. Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer, ufologist and all this other stuff. What he does with the CE4, the close encounters, four and five stuff that he does. He's out there in the field and he's, he's very much into yogiism and, and astral projection. Um, once you, and my belief is that once you allow yourself to thin the veil and become a willing participant in, uh, in, in the, the spirituality side, you are going to get visited. And I think he is getting visited by things that claim to be aliens and all this other That's stuff. Exactly That's a good right. point. That's a good point. Exactly right. Doug. He he sits out there and he says, "We can just look into the stars and project our thoughts, and then an orb will manifest." And ooh, we ooh and ah, there's an orb. Well, okay, there's your there's your demon connection right there. All right, nothing says demons can't be up in the sky. Um, but I, uh, I'll, I'll I'll end with this and I'll let you guys finish this out. I think we have multiple variables. You obviously have the demonic. Um, playing field here on earth that's never going to change and there's always agendas and every agenda as the bible tells us will always lead to the new world order and the antichrist beast system and then jesus's return and killing the antichrist and 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 ridding us of all this nonsense but the other part is something that a lot of people have a hard time comprehending they're going to question their beliefs their values what they view as real and um, no one has a good answer for them, more especially the government, most especially um, modern scientists like Avi Loeb. When I questioned him, Tim, I know this this pissed you off and made you upset. When I said, hey, what about the abductions? And then um, 
I can't remember, uh, um, the, uh, the other Harvard scientist who, who made his ending career over the abduction scenario and investigating this. And you have those guys who will come out and say, nah, this is nothing. This is just people manifesting psychosis. And, and that's a real it's an thing. ignorant statement. It was absolutely ignorant. I called him out on it and he didn't like the fact that I called him out on it. Um, Tim, that's all I got. I'll, I'll let you guys finish this out. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, I don't really have much to add uh, except to say that if you discount out of hand the abduction phenomenon, you know nothing about what's going on. You know nothing because, as I've said again many times, the abduction phenomenon, all the evidence you could ever want, if you want to if you wanted to go into court and try and prove in our legal system that abductions are happening, you could do it. You have all the evidence. You have the physical evidence. You have the anecdotal evidence. You have people who are seen by their neighbors being abducted. You have people who are missing while they're abducted. You have people being returned outside of their homes with their, with their clothes on backward, backward with other people's clothes on. You have people who've never met before anywhere else on planet earth, except for on a, on, on one of these craft meeting each other in the grocery store afterwards, recognizing each other, realizing that they were on the craft together. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. So if you discount that, then you know nothing. Then you are an an ignoramus as it pertains to the subject. Yeah, I think that's really well put. I do agree with you. I think we just need to keep further investigation. I'll conclude my comment by saying this. I, I find real discrepancies in the Intel position and associated, um, aspects and getting people in intel to validate this guy's resume i mean just the participation of it in alone is enough for military discipline uh so that that's the problem i had with the account i'm not saying it's not real but i'm saying it was intentionally distributed and not by just a whistleblower that's my that's my feeling on this um the event we saw on tv uh again the people were sincere but the report's crappy uh the reporter didn't really press the point either the one on channel eight the special guy they brought in he didn't press the issue like i think any of the three of us would have done uh well what about this and what about that and uh should have had these people under camera one at a time explaining what did you see well what did you see well what happened next how long were they there did they attempt to interact with you did they give you telepathic messages to stay back you're not in danger i mean that should have happened in that interview and that was a crappy interview just i mean it left us really empty Mm -hmm. um i agree so when i when and that's why i really took in what you guys said tonight i was more of a listener participant here because the interaction you two guys put out there tonight I thought was outstanding because it really defined where we're at with this issue. We have unknown questions, or excuse me, unknown answers to real bona fide questions, and ultimately this could threaten our survival. I mean, I think we need to look at the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Advanced technology, and here we are, and I made this statement either. What what happened? What happened when the conquistadors went to the southwest? What exactly. happened to what happened to the Aztecs? Uh, I, the same thing could happen to us. In fact, what's interesting is I, I I'll tell you what I thought of more than once when you guys were talking was the original report. And I'm sorry, it's late and this jumped out of my head. The guiding charter for uh, the Brookings report. The Brookings mm-hmm. report said if we ever encounter these people 
lie, lie, and lie again. Don't ever admit it because society will fall apart. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they said, now here's the key that no one ever talks about. That also the Brookings report said, if we ever go out there and discover that we have been there before, we can't tell that either. To me, when you start talking about a runaway civilization, Tim, I go right back to the Brookings report mm-hmm. when you said that. Exactly. Tim, so this, you let people... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say that, uh, Tim, I think you really defined it well. Mm-hmm. And, Doug, you played your role well as a skeptic tonight. <laughs> you, you And you're trained that way. I mean, that's what makes you a good interviewer is because you are skeptical. But what we all agree on is this is this is real phenomena. We're just not sure about really the um, the exact true nature of what's going on. Well, I, I live my life by a very simple code. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and just believe that everything from werewolves, zombies, Loch Ness, uh, elves, and aliens, and, and all this other stuff is real so that I can sleep okay at night and I'm not wandering it all day. And when it shows up, I'm like, okay, I'm not surprised. I always thought they were real. Um, look, I... The way that I do this as as a trained investigator is that you got to press these questions. You can't give softball um, uh, questions to these people anymore. You know that's why if there was ever the ability for someone like myself and and Dave and Tim to sit down with this guy, we would have a very very different um, uh, context. Very yeah. different. Doug, people will avoid us I because know. because of that very reason you just said. People come on this topic. Here's been my experience. People will tell just what they want you to know, but they're not open to having their parameters expanded. I found that over and over and over. Yeah, it's true. Hey, Tim, can you let people know where they can find your information, your book, and uh, what it is that you got going on currently? Uh, Well, people can get the book on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, they can track with me on YouTube, Timothy Albrino, social media, Instagram, Twitter. My handle's the same. It's just Timothy Albrino. Um, my website, timothyalbrino.com. And as far as what I got going on, I'm, I'll be in Peru in a week, uh, doing a, a, a tour in Peru with a group of people and uh, that's, uh, sold out and I'm doing a, uh, um, I'm doing an event in Costa Rica in February, but that's also sold out. But uh, if you know people can still find tickets co- becoming available here and there, you, you'd have to follow, uh, you know, Blurry Creatures for that. Tim, out of curiosity, when you do the Costa Rican uh, presentation, is that in Spanish? Nope, that's going to be. Uh, as far as I know, it's well, it's primarily Americans coming to Costa Rica. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, it's a nice place to visit. There's no question about that. But it's uh, it's going to be a really good time. But um, and I'll be doing more events like that as we move into the future. I've got some other things going on. TV shows almost completely done, and that'll be released in some form soon. Uh, in you know this summer sometime. And I have, got a couple. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about doing a, a a kind of a mini TV network where you bring in a, a panel of experts and Kind of like what we try to do on this show with Doug and myself and bring people like you in. You ever thought about doing that? Because I think that would really draw well. Uh, yeah, I've contemplated stuff like that before, but I've, my plate is so full as it is. 
with things. A lot of what I'm doing is behind the scenes and not really, you know, publicized. And uh, I've contemplated a lot of things, but uh, the, I have to kind of figure out where everything's going to end up in terms of the things I've been working on behind the scenes before I can jump into something new like that. But it's yeah. always a possibility. I might do something like that in the future. Yeah. Uh, just, I'll go back to the conference you had, um, um, that Doug and I attended outstanding. It's a uh, shame. We don't do more of those because uh, just meeting the people that were there, there was so much to be learned. Um, it really was anyway, guys, interesting show. Um, the, it, this wasn't quite the uh, face-off that we anticipated it being. Um, well, uh, you know, a crashed alien supposedly in <laughs> Vegas changes things. Yeah, I agree. It's just too bad it was such a crappy report. And here's the other question I have on this. You know, before we close, that's the channel that George Knapp appears on. Why wasn't he handling that? You wouldn't have got that kind of interview with George Knapp doing that. Very interesting point. Yeah, that is a very interesting point. Oh, he was probably Knapp is an old school great investigative journalist guys you know he's one of the few left real real investigative journalists in this country george knapp that's funny i i have guys that are in the state department who actually are texting me right now saying why wasn't george knapp on all this so everybody's saying the same thing and i'm sure i'm sure mr knapp will come out and, and give us a slice of that pie Hey, look, before we sign off, I just want to let people know you can find the Doug and Dave Intel report on thecommonsenseshow.com, thecommonsenseshow.tv. We're also on Rumble, Doug and Dave Intel report. Make sure that you're following the Common Sense Show. Uh, my show is the American Vindictive Podcast. You can find that on GS Radio. Me and Dave are both on gsradio.net. Uh, and uh, make sure that you're following us, that you're subscribing to us along with Tim. That way you help the algorithm and grow our channel. And the more that you subscribe, you like and you share and you comment, the more our stuff can get out there into the ether because we're typically blacklisted for everything that we say, <laughs> except for Tim, because everybody loves Tim. So, uh, Dave, Tim, that's, I, that's I, all I, I got. I, man. Well, one thing I got to tell Tim this story before we go, um, it, it isn't related to this issue, but and an issue I don't want to talk about because I'm going to put this on YouTube. But um, my te- my cell phone s- has sent out a couple of text messages I did not send to very sensitive people in sensitive positions if that people- were sharing information. But that's not the only thing. Doug knows this, too. I-, I got to a location, and I could access any website. Everyone could access my website, but I couldn't access my own website for a week. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to a third-party phone to get a hotspot me to get into my website that's some pretty serious interference if people only knew the amount of interference that we get just when you and i come on dave oh yeah it's every single podcast yeah for like the first 15 minutes it is this way listen i i think we've got a good show and and the other side doesn't like it and if we were just bumpkins you know spouting nonsense they wouldn't interfere with us and mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, Tim, look, it's really an honor to have you on. You do such a great job, and um, uh, yeah, we look forward, so to, we'll for look forward to having you back when you get back. And uh, so, on behalf of my broadcast partner Doug Thornton of American Vindicta and myself, Dave Hodges, uh, and our guest Tim Alvarino, will bid you all adieu. Thank you for tuning into this long broadcast. But I think you got to admit it was pretty darn interesting. See you next time. 
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.